Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your life one Monday at a time. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful in what they do or extremely positive-minded in the way they live their life, those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's special guest. Our guest today is Mr. Martin Horwitz. Mr. Horwitz, or Marty as he preferred, is the mayor of the city of Beechwood here in Ohio. Marty served four full terms as honorary member of the Beechwood City School Board and then later ran for city council, was elected, and spent the good amount of six years contributing to the city's growth. In 2017, Marty campaigned for the city's mayor and was elected later that year. Marty is very humble, and his words are very wise. Today, he will be sharing with us his responsibilities as mayor, how he handles adversity, and what in his mind is the source of his success. It is my pleasure, my utmost pleasure, to welcome Mr. Martin Horwitz, Mayor of Beechwood, to the Maverick Mondays podcast. For me to be there at 4 o'clock in the morning when they're surrounding a house ready to tear it down because there's a bad guy in it, that means a lot. Marty, how did your time as mayor begin? How did it all start? Well, it was interesting. It was actually my seventh election. One of the things I've always been very involved in is public service and volunteering, whether it's in the Beechwood community or other communities. And it's just, my hobby was, was doing public service work. For a long time, when I started practicing law here in Cleveland, I was involved with the Cleveland Bar Association doing committee work. Uh, I was on several committees. I chaired a number of them. Um, I was active in our synagogue for many years. I was a uh, on the board of uh, trustees there at one point and president with my wife of our couples club group. Um, and I've just always been a volunteer in in the legal community. Uh, I, I volunteered. I wound up serving 16 years on school board, four terms. I was president four times. And that really got me involved in public service. Because um, I knew I liked to volunteer. I knew I liked to work with people. I knew I liked to create change. I knew I liked to work in a setting where we're doing something to better either my profession or or my synagogue. But this this was a broader arena because now I had a chance to really influence a whole school district and, and ultimately a generation of students. And there's a, a tremendously wonderful feeling you get when it's graduation and you're making a speech and you're handing out diplomas to seniors that you saw start off as um, as kindergartners. So I've really had those those periods of my life led to where I am today because after 16 years on school board I left um, it was really you have to know when to walk away in jobs like this. Uh, some people I'm convinced stay too long and uh, I'm also a firm believer in term limits. I, I Usually I think 12 years in almost any elected job is enough. 
because there's always somebody with better ideas or different ideas or newer ideas behind you that, that can do a good job. So I left um, after my fourth term. I didn't run again. And I wound up running for council. And I served a term on council. I ran again and uh, in the middle of my second term. So that put me there for six years. I was, I was at that point president of council. Um, it was mayoral election. I looked around, I looked at the potential candidates, and I just felt of everybody who lives here in the city, there's some very good people. I had more years of experience in elected office than anybody in the city who was potentially going to run. I thought I'd take a shot. And what I learned is until you try it, you don't know. And uh, it was a very close election, but I won by 33 votes. I thought it was the closest vote in Beachwood history until the uh, school levy bond issue vote, which failed by five votes. Yeah. Uh, I thought I held one record in my life for the closest election. But um, that's kind of where, where my volunteerism and, and it comes from. I, I don't anticipate going anywhere after this. I hope I can get another term. Um, and I know that there are some very good people coming up uh, some that are on council now and many that are in the community that would do an equally good job. So if I can be here for eight years, I'd be very happy and I think I could do some good work here. You mentioned that you enjoy promoting change as part of the volunteer work that you, that you like to do. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So in terms of change, how do you... It's, it's, it's a fair question because that actually make, made running for an office like Mayor of Beachwood complicated because we're an unusual and exceptional city. We, we have, years ago when this city was planned, the city people long before me and the previous mayor laid out this town so that there is a, a large area that's commercial and a smaller area that's residential. And we survive by the taxes we get, the income taxes from the commercial businesses. So we have a, a good tax base that allows us to do some wonderful things that some communities can't. We have a, a beautiful pool. It's probably one of the nicest pools in the area. We, we take our seniors to their doctor's appointments or grocery shopping or bring them here to the community center so that they can have a special lunch with a program or hear an author or hear a musical program. Um, a lot of cities don't do that. They can't afford to do it. We have outstanding fire protection and police protection and programs that a lot of cities don't have. So it was difficult running for mayor. You can't say I'm going to change things because it's not, it's not broke. But what, you, what I brought to the mix was the idea that we could approach things in a little bit different way, things that had not been talked about before. For instance, we did not do a good job communicating with residents and communicating with businesses. We were not involved in social media. One of the things I did when I was on school board was I was very involved with technology. So I, I realized early on the importance of technology just in any kind of business. And this is 20 years ago. Um, so I, one, of my, one of the things that I wanted to do was, was bring in a communications person full-time, which has been wonderful because uh, we are on Facebook and, and, and every other social media 
We're updating our, our website, which hasn't been updated for years. It's not terribly friendly. We have created a block party program, which, which uh, again, walking the neighborhoods, I realized people would say to me, I've, I've lived here four years, I don't know my neighbor. And so uh, we had about seven or eight block parties last summer, and we've got more scheduled this year, I think probably around 10 or 11 at this point. We actually, this year, bought a trailer and put a wrap around it that says Beachwood Block Party. And we've got chairs and we've got tables and we've got games and we've got coolers and we drop it off in front of somebody's house who's hosting it. And people have had the best time. That's awesome. So things like that that we haven't done before, I, those kind of ideas. There's technological things that I think we should be looking at there's concepts called smart cities that I'm a big proponent of, and which is across the country. This is not anything that I, this is something I've studied. What is a smart city? Smart cities are cities that are organized around data, and you collect the data um, at different points. For instance, um, on your light poles, you can have sensors that control your city lighting, that can have cameras, that can be motion detectors. Um, there's even a technology you can put on light poles that will, I think it takes 10 or 12 or 15 seconds, and it can identify a gunshot and where the gunshot comes from. And all of this goes back in the cloud, back down to a control. If you're, a, uh, if you're walking your dog at 3 o'clock in the morning and the lighting is at 30% and it senses you walking the dog, uh, it goes up to 70 or 80 percent. If we have a SWAT operation in the middle of the night, we can throw all the lights on in that area. The lighting is part of it. For, for many cities, it also has to do with transportation and monitoring utilities and doing some other things. We don't have some of those components, but changing over to LED fixtures and adding more lighting is something that we need in this city. But there's just a lot of things, there's a lot more we can do because we have the resources to do them. Um, and so that's, you know, if you've got a good situation, you try and make it better. If you have a bad situation, then that's easier because you can just campaign and say, well, this is horrible and this is wrong and, and I'm going to make it better. You know, is there a way we can move to uh, more fuel efficient cars, electric cars? We're studying now whether there are appropriate electric vehicles for the police department. We have a building department that uh, has five or six cars that are out every day doing inspections. Maybe that can be electric. Things that would make us more energy efficient. Even in this room, these are older light bulbs, not terribly energy efficient. And these can be swapped out. We're talking to the illuminating company about swapping out um, all of the uh, light pole fixture bulbs and making and putting LEDs in and that dramatically can increase lighting and reduce cost so when you talk about what what kind of things we can do different and campaigning and how you market yourself that's what I was trying to do was just show that I can be a candidate then I would be a candidate and a mayor that that is going to try and work more in the 21st century with more technology, with more communication, with more energy efficiency, more inclusion. And those are sort of my goals. 
your transition from council member to mayor of the city what was that transition like for you was that like in terms of responsibility what are what are the responsibilities well of the, the responsibility of council president uh, or even a council council member the responsibility is to come to meetings to participate in in um, committees and and we have very conscientious council people we've always had very conscientious council people when there's meetings they're there they research they they check into things they talk to their neighbors they're a very responsible group um, as council president you res well now the council president is responsible for setting the agenda and moving meetings along and moving legislation along um, the interesting thing about our council versus when I got on six years ago, really seven years ago, is that um, the average experience on this council is probably two and a half years, whereas before we had council members that were on 15 and 18 years. And so when I started, there was sort of this philosophy, oh, we've always done it this way. It has to be this way. A little thing like broadcasting meetings, which I raised when I first came to council because I was familiar with the process because I had done a lot of media work over at the schools. Um, and I knew that Solon was broadcasting meetings in other cities. Uh, Strongsville was broadcasting their meetings for 20 years. And some of the other councilmen were saying, no, 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 we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. Um, as more younger councilmen got on, they this is the way we do business, you know. I mean, we want to be able to have residents see a meeting if they can't come at night because they're putting their kids to bed or, or in the case of seniors because it's dark and it's hard to drive. So why wouldn't you want somebody to pull a meeting up on their computer or on their iPhone? It's been interesting because in the past, council and the mayor have sort of followed in sort of lockstep. They haven't always accepted everything the mayor does. But now we're getting more ideas from both council and the mayor. We really have a lot of projects we want to work on, we want to try, and so there's a lot more creativity. I think uh, people that are just, the council's more responsive to the residents. Um, and, and, and it's a very diverse council. There's, there's people, that, uh, there's council members that, that, under, that are familiar with building and construction. And, and others that are feel very familiar with technology because that's their business. So everyone brings something to the mix. When you were elected mayor, was there anything that once you got in, into the office that you realized was way over your head? And if so, where did you go for advice or, I guess, guide on how to handle it? I don't, I'm not going to say there was anything over my head. It, my transition was difficult on a personal basis because you have to understand, I... I practiced law with my dad for about 20 years. He passed away and then I passed, practiced law by myself. The last 15 years, I was a sole practice attorney in my basement. I ran my office out of my house. The first day I was here, I basically was the CEO of a $50 million corporation with 250 employees. That's kind of a culture shock. Um, that was the hardest thing you know, it's it's just and being on the on council, does, you know some of the people. You know, you know your directors and maybe you know a policeman or a fireman or whatever. 
But now I'm walking through the halls, I'm going over the fire department, I'm going over the police department. Now I have to really start to know who these 250 people are. These are my employees. Um, the f two months in, we had a mall shooting. Trust me, there's no way you can ever be prepared for a mall shooting uh, or anything of that caliber. Um, so a lot of this stuff, you just have to go, you rely on on the people you're working with and you hope that you have good good people and and we we've had good people here I, I my directors are just amazing people and they've been here a long time many of them and very very professional very experienced and so so you rely on the directors you try and read as much as you can my preparation uh, quite honestly was um, uh, part of a uh, because I believe in continuing education, I've had to do continuing education as an attorney all my life. And on school board, I used to go to two or three conferences a year just to keep up on best practices. At the week after I got elected, there was something called the National League of Cities Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the main trade group for councilmen and mayors in the United States. And I went down there, um, actually I went on my own because the city, I wasn't officially the mayor at that time, um, and there was no mechanism to, to pay. So I paid the admission, I paid the flight, I paid whatever, because it was an investment in me becoming a better person. And I spent four days with mayors and council people um, going to all kind of programs about economic development, about how to work with seniors, about technology issues, about community issues, about tax issues, uh, land issues, um, and really immerse myself in a lot of the issues that I was going to see in office. And that was really one of the best preparations I had. Because when I came out of there after four days, in addition to going to the trade show and meeting a lot of people who gave me interesting ideas on things like community parks and senior programming from AARP and just a ton of interesting programs. As I've done in my whole career with school board, I saw things that we weren't doing that other cities were doing that I felt would apply to us and that I could bring to us. That was really how I prepared myself. There are just some things you can never prepare yourself for. You just try and listen and analyze and try and get the advice of your directors, try and get the advice of council and just try and make the best decision you can. You mentioned that you know you can't really prepare for something like a mall shooting if it's never right. happened before. Right. So after that scenario, what are the steps that you take to prevent that in the future? Are there ways to prepare for that kind of thing in the future once it already happens? Well, my personal preparation it, it, it was it was a shock because I didn't know where my where my responsibility was. In addition to being mayor, I'm also safety director. I really wear two hats, and, and, and those are legal terms. As safety director, um, I am in charge of the police and fire departments. Um, I actually have one of the perks of this office is there is a car downstairs, it's a black Acadia, outfitted with police lights and a siren and a police radio and everything else. Um, and I, I can run that car legally wherever I have to to get to unfortunate events. The first time, the first mall shooting, like I say, there's, there's almost no way to prepare for it in terms of being the mayor. Our police department prepares for it literally every day. We have 
a SWAT team, which we call the EDGE team, but it's people understand the term SWAT better, made up of several cities. We have mutual aid where that afternoon um, or morning, there were probably 14 agencies here, all the way to the, to the county sheriff and the Ohio State Private Patrol um, and Homeland Security and FBI. Our city is always prepared. As a new leader, I'm, I'm there watching and learning because they're, quite honestly, they're not looking for me to run the police at that moment. That's a, that, that they have trained for that moment. Our, our, our fire department's trained, our police have trained, the SWAT teams have trained. They've, they've been in simulations for this. But later on, what I've tried to do is when we've had other SWAT missions, I've actually gone on them. I've been on three SWAT operations that have lasted way into the middle of the night. I've been in the command vehicles. I, I feel very comfortable being around, and I, I don't direct uh, the operation because, like I say, they know what to do in these situations, but our police force and fire force appreciate me being there to lend them support because it means I appreciate what they're doing. And, you know, for me to be there at 4 o'clock in the morning when they're surrounding a house ready to tear it down because there's a bad guy in it, that means a lot. It's, it's good for morale. Um, and also the first time I did it, I bought them all pizzas because <laughs> um, the chief came to me. And, uh, there was an operation we had where we had to find two guys that had um, killed their father, which was a very bad situation. I'm sure you've heard about it. You yeah. probably know it very well. And we chased these guys to their house in South Euclid. And we're just waiting and waiting. And I didn't know this, but there's some kind of pizza budget where we'll pay for dinner for everyone out there. And the chief came up to me and he said, he said, boss, we went through our pizza budget for tonight. It's now like about 1230. And he said, you know, can you authorize more pizzas? And I said, I'll just pay for them. <laughs> and I often think about what that phone call is like to like, I think it was Jet Pizza or somebody in South Euclid, you know, like, you know, hi, I'm calling from the Beachwood Police, and we've got, you know, we need like 14 pizzas because we're, <laughs> we're at a SWAT mission. Right. You know? It sounds like something like a Howard Stern phone call. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's really, you know, those kind of things, every time I go, I learn a little bit more. And every time I go, I'm a little more helpful uh, in, in, you know, in discussing the whole operation. And, and it makes me a better, I think, makes me a better mayor by, by trying to absorb, by trying to learn everybody's job. I'm not trying to do everybody's job, but I'm trying to learn everybody's job so I can appreciate it when somebody says to me, we need to change shifts or we need a certain piece of equipment or we need to go through certain practices. Would you authorize the training? And I, you know, I, I, have, an, I have an appreciation for why they're asking. So that's, if I'm successful, it's because I try and learn as much as I can. I try and stay ahead of the trends or learn where things are going in a particular area. What has to happen in the remainder of your term, in the remainder of your leadership as mayor? What has to happen for you to come away feeling good about what you've done and feeling successful? That's a good question. There's big programs and there's small programs. And a lot of this is fluid. But for instance, we're in the middle of building a dog park. Dog park was something that we talked about for six years under the last mayor and never went anywhere. Previous administration didn't want it. 
I was able to get counsel with the support of a number of councilmen to say, let's let's move on this thing. Uh, I think in June or July we'll be opening it up. Um, we've had an awful lot of people say they're excited about it. They've already signed up for it. If you can do a program like that, and maybe it affects 100 people, 200 people, that directly impacts on people, and they say, great community. You've given me something more that I didn't have before. If, if we can do some big things, for instance, if we can take Commerce Park and get some big investors and big developers in here to renovate a 35-year-old development, that would be great. If we can, if we can attract some other big companies, we have, we have several national headquarters here in Beechwood. If we could bring in one more, that would be great because that would help keep revenue coming in. Um, so there's the big things of trying to attract development. There's the small things of trying to do individual programs for people. And that's either one of those and both would, would make me feel successful when I walked out of here. The number one thing that I get when I go into the grocery store is people coming up and telling me about the small stuff that they appreciate. And we created a program where we take the trash out for seniors. Um, if they're over 80 and meet other criteria, we'll take the bin from their garage to the front to the to the street. For somebody who's 90 years old and can't walk or has a hard time walking, I've had people say to me that has saved me from going into an apartment and I can stay in my own house and there's a concept called aging in place. People like to stay, they're com more comfortable, they live longer if they don't have to make that transition. So for people like that, the one, that one thing that we've done has tremendously impacted on them. You know, and then I get people stop me and say, my sewer backed up, and boy, your guys were so great. They came out Sunday, and they, they, they fixed it, and it's working great, and I can't imagine a city that would do that. That's not me, but that's the system we've created and that we'll continue with, and those kind of things give me great pleasure and would give me great pleasure when I leave here to be able to point to a couple of programs that we've initiated. If I can create more energy efficiency, if I can get more sidewalks, if we can get more street lighting, improve our revenue, improve opportunities for seniors and, and the community services, yeah, I would feel I've been very successful. What was the most difficult thing that you've had to face or that the most difficult decision you've had to make in your term as mayor so far? There's been some personnel decisions that have been very difficult. I'm coming up on one now. We have to hire, uh, we have to appoint a fire chief. The last fire chief we had left last year. That's a very serious position. We, we did some testing, but I have to do a lot of interviewing, and we're going to do another round of interviewing next week. I had to make a base decision. Do I want to open this up to everyone or do I want to just hire from within and and those are very difficult decisions because that affects a whole department it affects morale it affects the efficiency you, you hope you're going to make a good decision there's been some communication decisions how we talk about the mall how we talk about crime um, that that have been difficult because I I know internally some things that we're doing and we're trying to do the best we can with different kind of policing techniques but I can't talk about it but personnel issues have been very difficult and trying to get everybody on board because you know you've got basically me and seven people who want to do the best for this city but we we may 
want to go about it in a different way. And so trying to build consensus is very difficult. And you just try and be respectful and you listen and you try and find some common ground. You take small steps and small steps become big steps. How much authority do you have as mayor outside the city council? I have certain authority for spending, I believe, up to $25,000. I have certain authority. You know, I, I can do marriages. I can do certain things by virtue of the fact that I am legally the mayor and legally the safety director. I can't just do anything I want, but most of the time, projects that I'm interested in are also projects that city council is interested in because it makes everyone look good. If we offer our residents more programs, if we offer our businesses better places to operate, if we can improve traffic, if we can improve our physical plant, if we can be more efficient, if we can get into other areas, anything we do that makes an improvement makes everybody look good. And I, and I would extend that even to the point that I want us to look good because we bring everybody up just as everybody else, every other community brings us up. When I, I believe in regionalism, if Pinecrest is successful, Beechwood is gonna be successful. You know, if Pinecrest will bring people there to live, that will also shop in Beechwood, that may work in Beechwood and live on Pine, in Pinecrest. Same thing with Van, with the Van Aken project. Uh, same thing with any new apartment complex that might go in. The more people that come to this community, the more people that may work in this community, they may live in an apartment for a short period of time and then decide they wanna buy a house in Beechwood. It makes our corner of Northeast Ohio successful. So any kind of development is positive. Is there ever a day when you wake up and, you know, the first thought that runs through your head is, I don't want to go to work. I'm tired of all the headaches. Does that ever happen? And if it does... Every morning. So how do you yeah, get... How pretty do you, much every morning. How do you get through that? Uh, there have been... There are a lot of times when things don't go right. I can see a project clearly from beginning to end, and not everybody sees it that clearly. I'll give you an example. I want to see us build a police station. The police department is the only department in this city that does not have a building or a proper, a truly proper place to do their business. The police department is working in the basement of this building in a 35-year-old section. They're split up in half. I want to get moving on a, on a, on a police station. Council is not moving as quick as I would like them to because they have certain concerns. So yeah, I, I wake up and I get frustrated because I know the things I want to do I may not be able to move on as quickly as I want to. It's the fact that I can always try and make things better. And quite honestly, it's the learning aspect. I come in here every morning learning something. I meet with our law director. I meet with our building commissioner. I meet with the fire chief, the or, well, soon to be fire chief, the police chief. And I'm always learning something about their business. It makes me think, can we do something in a different way? Can we do something a little better? Can we expand a program? So it's not like doing the same job for 40 years. I did the same job for 40 years. And the things I did on the side were what kept me going. And you know, bringing changes to the Bar Association, bringing changes to the school board, bringing changes to our synagogue. And that's what really keeps me going. So you, know, you, you mentioned that th there's many mornings when you wake up frustrated with you know, the situation, but you, know, you still find it within you to, to come to work and to, you know, to, to start changing the city for the better. Someone who doesn't have that same ambition or that same drive to always learn and to always grow, what advice can you offer them based on everything that you've learned in your volunteer work and your wow. term as mayor? I've noticed in life there's, there's a couple of different classes of people. We have had friends over the years that basically they go to work for 40 hours a week and they come home 
and they do nothing on the weekend or they go to whatever on the you know art museum or football game or whatever and they don't do anything extra for their profession for their society for their community for whatever i i think the motivation has to be that you want more out of your life go volunteer someplace go be a big brother go be a mentor go go teach computer computing to to a senior at a senior center and help out there i i think people who don't stretch themselves in one way or another and do more than just their job or their classes don't have as fulfilling a life and the other side thing and i'll tell you it's a whole nother podcast but the other side part of this is doing outside activities you become a role model for your children i get very reflective at this point in my life i mean this is like 24 years i've been in public office and 40 years of being of doing volunteer work and i i look back and i see some really wonderful things that i'm very proud of in this community and in my profession and um, I'm, I'm very thankful that people have trusted in me to do the right thing. I've won seven elections. It's, it's not based on good looks. Uh, it's, it's based on trying to get people to believe that you're going to be an honorable person and an ethical person and do the right thing. And I hope that I've met people's expectations. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for sure. taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Each episode here on Maverick Mondays is approximately 30 minutes long. At the end of each episode, we will briefly recap and highlight some of the important points discussed. This will help us properly utilize the information we just heard so that we can remember what was discussed and take it to heart. Here are some great things to take away. One. Until you try it, you won't know. Don't be afraid to try new things. Two, always look to grow and become better and smarter. Three, no matter how much you've done, there's always more. Go after the success, chase it, and make it happen. Four, change can be great. Five, pay attention to the small things. Sometimes they make the biggest differences. Six, invest in you. Invest in your betterment and in your future as a person. Seven, listen, analyze, watch, and learn. Eight, learn everyone else's jobs so that you can understand how everything works and then you can be the most valuable. Nine, embrace every learning opportunity that comes your way. And 10, stretch yourself a little, volunteer and help out others. This will ultimately enrich your life and the lives of those around you. The next step is for you to do your part. We heard some pretty amazing things being discussed, but if you truly want to grow and become the best version of you, and yes, I mean the best version of you, listen to the episode twice, maybe even three times, and perhaps take notes. These are priceless key elements to achieving success and finding happiness, even on the most unmotivating Monday. Thank you for joining us.